Hello and welcome to The Fincher Takes It All, a brand new limited series podcast that celebrates and reflects on the filmography of director David Fincher, head of the release of his next movie, Mank. I'm your host, Emily Murray, and today I'm joined by film and TV journalist Eamon Jacobs to discuss Fincher's directorial debut, Alien 3, a film haunted by studio interference leading to Fincher famously disowning the movie. The film joins Ripley as she crash lands on the world which is a maximum security prison. When a series of strange and deadly events occur shortly after her arrival, Ripley realises she is brought along with her an unwelcome visitor. Me and Amy discuss the film's infamous production issues, the variations between the two different cuts, how some early Fincher flair comes through, and whether Alien 3 is actually a bad movie. But first, here's a clip. At 0800 hours, prisoner Murphy, through carelessness on his part, was found dead in vent shaft 17. He seems to have been sucked into a ventilator. At about 2100 hours, prisoner Gollick reappeared in a deranged state. Prisoners Boggs and Reigns are missing. There seems to be a good chance that they have met with foul play at the hands of prisoner Gollick. We need to organize and send out a search party. Volunteers will be appreciated. I think it's fair to say that our smoothly running facility has suddenly developed a few problems. I can only hope we are able to all pull together over the next few days until the rescue team arrives for Lieutenant Ripley. It's here. You got Clemens. Stop this raving at once. I'm Stop telling it. you. It's here. Stay here and get that foolish woman back to the infirmary. Welcome, Eamon, to The Fincher Takes It All, our first guest on the new podcast. I'm honoured. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no worries. If you listen to my <laughs> other podcast, Known Me, Known You, you may recognise Eamon's dulcet tones from the Tenet spoiler <laughs> special. Was it spoilers? No, the spoiler preview. The spoiler preview. It was it was our theories, our theories um, yeah. where we tried to unravel Nolan's obsession with the non-linear <laughs> storytelling and uh, the Rotas theory. And... Yes, oh how wrong we were. All of that. We were so wrong. I know. Uh, but today we're talking about a different director for a new podcast, mm. uh, the one and only David Fincher. What a guy. What guy? But before we uh, get into that, we should talk about another great guy, which is yourself. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> if you want to tell the listeners, I suppose, who you are and what you do. Uh, okay, so I'm a freelance entertainment journalist. Um, I've written for places like uh, Zavi, um, Games Radar, Heroic Hollywood, um, Digital Spy a little bit. Uh, I'm generally just a bit of a dork. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just the easiest way to put it. Uh, I usually like, you know, all write about comic book movies and whatnot. Um, but I am a very big Finch fan as well. Um, yes. And I'm actually looking forward to talking about Alien 3 because it's not something I've ever discussed in depth with anybody aside from my dad. <laughs> I thought it'd be good to have you on for Alien 3 because, as you said, you're a dork and quite geeky. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously, Alien 3 is a, you know, it's a, I would say it's a big franchise movie. It's yeah. very sci fi. Um, it's also like I think like a really interesting place to start. Like obviously we have to start with Alien Free because it is David Fincher's directorial debut and this podcast is tracking his movies uh, ahead of Mank. 
But like, you know, he famously disowned this movie. Like it was an absolute <laughs> nightmare to make. In fact, it almost ended his career like yeah. as it started. So I do think it's an odd place to start, but you know, we're gonna we're gonna dive into it. I think, you know, the fact that he disowned it and I suppose the troubling I say trouble troubled backstory behind mm. this movie, I suppose is the best place to start though in terms of the discussion, just because you know, the has there's that context behind like you know what's going on on screen yeah um and i mean he said he said back in 2009 that to this day no one hates it more than me (laughs) (laughs) which i think you know sums up how he feels about the film um and you know we can't really talk about alien 3 without at least mentioning the assembly cut um which which is like the director's cut without the director yeah, so I think if we talk about, I suppose, why Fincher hated the project so much, mm. and again, then go on to the cuts. Because yeah. from my understanding from reading online, like, poor David Fincher, you know, he's a young guy. I think he was 28 when he went into this film. He went into it, like, five weeks before shooting started. Christ. Just because the studio just kept chopping and changing ideas and directors. Mm. And, you know, there wasn't a finished script <laughs> when they started filming. Like, no. This is, like a challenge for such a young director so it's no surprise that he hates it so much but i also suppose have a lot of respect for him in a way for like sticking up with it yeah and like powering through because um, because like yeah. before this he'd only done sort of like music videos hadn't he? he sort of like got quite prolific with that um and was brought on board for this presumably bright-eyed and bushy-tailed um and was pretty scarred by the end of it just because of studio involvement um constantly changing like script ideas and character arcs um even like you know a pivotal part of the film is how the alien is born and that was changed like from from the original idea so it's it's kind of it's unsurprising that a studio (laughs) would want to like micromanage a, a franchise like alien 3 um yeah but like Yikes! (laughs) Yikes! <laughs> the fact he's disowned it is just—it's quite sad, almost. Like that's his first, like you say, his directorial debut, his and he wants experience. nothing to do with it. I know yeah. it's sad. So yeah, as you sort of said, the studio kept like changing scripts. Like during the actual production, like actors would go in the next day and be told the films, the, sorry, the scenes that they filmed mm. are completely irrelevant now due to the constant, you know, script changes and mm. you know, Finch's in constant arguments with the studio. He got told he wasn't allowed to film certain scenes that are part of his vision. You know, in some ways you would say it's an absolute miracle it got made at all. But yeah. also it was a miracle I suppose that maybe he was even hired again. Like that's what I find interesting that you would think because the film it was very poorly received and obviously like notorious in terms of the tool production. But you know, but the fact that David Fitch went from this to then direct Seven, like, admittedly, quite a few years later, and that was yeah. definitely his vision. <laughs> but you know, that is, that is remarkable. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I th- you know it, it is probably, like, maybe not as critically panned or hated as, like, Prometheus was when that first debuted. Boo, boo the Prometheus haters. I, I know, Prometheus. I love it, it's great. Um, but I still really like Alien 3. I think I really there's, like a, there's a lot 3. more in there than people sort of give it credit for. Yeah, and I think also I do respect Fincher for, I suppose, of pairing up with all the shit. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah, like, it is, like, I don't think 
because this, this is a question I wanted to ask. Like, can you mm-hmm. tell watching if we're just talking about the original cut, the theatrical mm-hmm. cut? Can you tell that there were all these problems during the production? Like, does that come through in the movie? Um, a little bit. I think there's definitely towards the end. It it the the pace of like the cuts and just how quickly the story moves towards its end game it feels like almost breakneck pace yeah um but i think you know it does it does work as a fully fledged film like say if you want to look at a modern example you know obviously there's the the infamous sort of suicide squad scenario wow. where where warner <laughs> yeah. brothers you know jumped in and made loads of edits through another studio uh, through another company sorry um and it's that's a lot more obvious that that's a mess. Whereas mm. Alien Three, I actually don't think it is a, a, an editorial mess. Um, I think when I first watched it, which was actually only a couple of years ago, like I'm a massive Alien Aliens fan, mm. but I hadn't actually seen the third or fourth movie just because mm. I just don't think I. I think I heard how bad they were and just didn't bother, so I sat myself down. I think it was just before I went to see Alien Covenant. Which again is a good movie and doesn't deserve the critical slamming. Doesn't slab deserve in. the hate. I don't actually think there's a bad alien movie out there. Not even Resurrection. I, oh, thank you so much because <laughs> I actually really like Resurrection as well. <laughs> I just I don't think there is. I don't think any of them are bad. But no, I think yes. some of them make questionable choices. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I I can put any alien film on and enjoy it, and particularly yeah. Alien Three mainly yeah. because it's fincher um, yeah exactly like his style in this is so obvious yeah um like there's those uh <laughs> it's so bleak um the autopsy scene of newt um, like it's it's awful and yeah, it's horrific a... starts off with a child death mm. but like there's when he's doing that there's the there's like close-up shots of like blood flowing into down a drain and like the surgical tools that uh clemens is using um, and all of those are just like peak Fincher and feel like right at home next to like shots in Seven and like Panic Room. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I think his style is clear from the, from the get-go, really. Like, I watched it without knowing about the history or the fact mm. it was David Fincher. So then after I watched it, I then was like, oh, David Fincher. I was like, oh, no, that makes... Because I was so familiar with <laughs> you know, his other work. I was like, oh, that makes sense now. Mm. But then I was like... Then I read about Trouble Production, I was like, actually, I can see like there are some as you said you know towards the end there are some edits and stuff that seem quite off but like, yeah. i would i still couldn't tell that like it was that problematic david finching you know, said this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me but <laughs> as you said there like his vision does come through and uh, there is the assembly cut which essentially is a director's cut without the director's involvement because <laughs> even though david fincher didn't put his name to it he, you know, he gave it his blessing. Yeah. Um, have you seen both cuts? I have. Um, so I originally saw Alien 3 just like, you know, the standard theatrical cut. And, um, you know, my dad's also a big movie fan. So mm. quite often talk about, you know, uh, franchises and movies and rah, rah, rah. And he'd read somewhere about this alternate cut of Alien 3. So we was sort of went looking for it. Was yeah. it Yeah. Yes. It was around then. And um yeah, so we both went hunting for it on like eBay and Amazon, and whatever, and 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 watched it together, sort of thing. Um, I I do think the assembly cut is is pretty pretty good as well. Um, I think they're both little... on a par, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, there's a little more sort of 
there's a little more substance to it. There's a little bit more, you know, that you can unpack. Um, I'd almost say not avant-garde, but like <laughs> just a bit more arty in places. Yeah. Um, like the shots of the planet that they that they keep sort of interjecting in with each scene. Um, and like there's a shot of uh, there's a shot of them pulling an ox or an ox pulling like loads of wreckage or something. And that it feels almost like almost something out of like a Tarkovsky film from like the twenties, mm. <laughs> but with a with a sci-fi depressing twist. Yeah, yeah. I think if you haven't seen, it's called the Assembly Cut. Like I would definitely recommend you go see it, just because mm. it also had like as it's not David Fincher, but I think they've said it, it's closer to his like original yeah. vision, and he did give it his blessing. Either he's still like, don't you dare put my name on this movie. <laughs> um, I think partly because he's probably just still quite traumatised by, like, yeah. what happened. Like, I was reading some of your reports from, like, other actors and stuff who said, like, it was just horrific. Like, just yelling down the phone and, like, constant arguments and screaming and shouting. But the assembly cut is 30 minutes extra compared to the original theatrical cut. Um... I suppose, like, when we were saying earlier about can you tell the issues on set and the issues of production, like, simply the fact that two cuts, one being half an hour longer, exists, like, you know, points to that. But I agree with you. I think the extra footage does add... It helps with the pacing. Mm, 100%, Um, especially towards the end. Yeah, Um, because it's only... Also, I think the opening, because it's like... Yeah. It's like, right, Sigourney Weaver's in space. Then she crashes, and then suddenly she's in a prison. <laughs> and that's like within the first five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Two um, minutes, I oh, think. But yeah. I, you know, so this, like, I, the uh, assembly cut adds some more context to that, but also, as you said, with the ending, you know, like, I feel that Alien 3, it's like rushed, then it's fine, mm. and then it's like, oh shit, we've run an hour of time, let's just, <laughs> <laughs> let's get this, you know, over and done with. But, you yeah. know, so. Uh, the extra footage helps with that. Also, my main thing, which Tom actually, my boyfriend, pointed out to me when we watched it last night, because I was saying to him, can you tell that, you know, all these problems were happening on set? And he was like, well, what happened to Golic? You know, Paul McGann's yeah. character. Because in the original cut, and I, I, I you noticed it, well, to be honest, when he said, probably because I just clearly don't pay enough attention. But, like, in the original cut, he's in the infirmary. And then, like, we never see him again. So I think in my head, I just assumed that he'd died. Yeah, to be fair, I... I was killed by an alien. I, yeah, you've just, you've just sort of twigged something in my brain as well. <laughs> like, I, I was thinking um, when Clemens gets attacked in the infirmary... Yeah, yeah I was thinking they went and killed him next. Yeah, that they just got him as well. But we um, never see it. No, you never see him. And that's because in the assembly cut, yes. he's... You know, he's got more of a, an actual character arc. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's obs- he's like obsessed with the with xenomorph. Um, yeah, he thinks it's a and... superior being. So yeah, he and lets I'm pretty sure he even murders. Free. I'm pretty sure he murders somebody. Does he? Uh, to protect it, I can't remember. I can't remember. But he, yeah, he's he's obsessed with it. Yeah, he gets an ending because mm. you know he like he thinks it's a superior being. Obviously, there's all these religious themes going on in the film. But the most important thing is that he lets the alien go. Mm. And then it's killed. So <laughs> I think that's why we don't see him die in the infirmary because he, you know, he still has this journey to go. Yeah. Um it's kind of it's kinda of funny though. I I I kinda like it. I do like this whole sort of, you know, 
worship of because they call it the dragon because obviously there's these like you say the uh the religious sort of iconography in it and um i really like paul mcgann as gollic he's kind of creepy and like unhinged yeah um, i would like to see more from him it, yeah but I have was... in the other cut <laughs> yeah you know, in the original theatrical cut um but like originally uh fincher wanted um to replace uh i'm pretty sure it was charles dance um, with Richard E. Grant um, to play Clemens, I can so that see he could that. have like you know the with nail and eye cast back together, which would have been great. Richard E. Grant would have been good. I mean, Charles Dance. And the only other key difference, I think, in terms of the stuff I'm kind of less sure on, on the original theatrical cut compared to the assembly cut, the garlic thing. But also, like I was watching the ending of the original theatrical cut, and I was like, "A, this is very Terminator-like." <laughs> and b why now does the alien decide to burst through her chest like i kind of like it because it's a homage to the first film but like why and also c why is she clutching it like is she just clutching it because it looks like she's clutching it with affection but like because it's like her baby but um, (laughs) (laughs) but it's like i'm like is she clutching it to try and make sure it doesn't escape and dies like Mm. it just seems like odd yeah, Which, I mean, you don't have that alien burst chest and chest bursting thing in the assembly cut. No, I mean, the thing that immediately struck me on the rewatch was like compared to Alien in the first one, mm. when um, John Hurt gets gets chest bursted, um, <laughs> that seems to have taken place within like a couple of hours. Yeah. Whereas in this. It, she's there for like a few days <laughs> um, before it bursts out, and maybe that's just because it was like it's a queen rather than like a normal alien. Um, but like, I get it. She's the main character. You're not going to want to have her, you know, chest bursting yeah. in the first ten minutes. But like, I do think the chest just bursting bit, bit's weird. It is a bit odd, and like you say, she's almost cuddling it at the end. Yeah. Um, like, and maybe yeah. it's just like a hey, you know, if I'm going, you're going. Sod it. I don't but, know. It just seems odd. But I read mm. that, as I said, I thought Terminator. Um, <laughs> it's very Terminator. Very she just Terminator needs to give like, a thumbs up at the end. Yeah. But I read <laughs> that that was part of the extensive reshoots that they did. They added mm. the chest burst and bit in the Blue death scene because they right. don't want comparisons to Terminator, which reminds ah. me of, you know, Captain Marvel and what was that awful X Men film called? Dark Phoenix. Which one? Dark oh Phoenix. yeah. Oh yeah, because that was many of these scrolls. They changed their ending because they yeah. were like they watched Captain Marvel. They were like shit. So <laughs> <laughs> shit, we've got scrolls as well. <laughs> so I feel like yeah, um, yeah, it's a bit like that. But it's just I like the ending still reminds me of Terminator, which isn't a bad thing. So it's like no. they've, like they didn't change it so much. It pulled away from the comparisons, so it kind of makes the whole adding that chest burst scene redundant. Yeah, but it's like they they spent four days shooting that scene where she leaps four off. Four days. They spent four days shooting Just that scene. Chuck Sigourney Weaver off the cliff, like. <laughs> when um, I say a cliff, you know yeah. what I mean. Like, is it that but hard? Even, even then, she, you know, there's there's that final shot is just like packed with subtext, you know, because yeah. she's like holding her arms out in a cross sort of thing and then hugs it. It was just like, ah, oh, come on. Yeah. Oh, David Fincher, <laughs> religious iconography. Who would have thought? I know, right? <laughs> I think, I think now seven. it's... Yeah, seven. Um, also, like, is Zodiac a bit like kind of religious-y? I suppose. I, I, I a little guess. bit. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, you know, 
praising and sort of eulogizing, I suppose. <laughs> Anyways, so now we're sort of spoke about the backstory and the cuts. Mm. I think we should delve into, you know, as you said, the movie itself. And one thing you said earlier is it is fucking bleak. It's so depressing. Oh, um, yes. I, it's just, it's a good thing I was in like a good mood last night to watch it um, because it, it really. Like I think now more than ever, maybe it's just a sign of twenty twenty. Um, I I just this is like dystopian hell. Mm. Um, you know, even though like the franchise itself is pretty dark, it, the other films are still kind of cathartic. Like the audience is united with the characters on screen. Like it's us versus the alien. Like it's not. You know, even though it's still bleak, you're still entertained. Whereas like because. A, they kill off a bloody child in the first two minutes, um, yeah. and then and it, give like, her an autopsy. I know. And it's like, Good look God. Her, look at her lungs. They are filled with liquid. <laughs> she drowned I, to thanks, death thanks, painfully. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Charlie. Appreciate that, mate. Um, I mean, if someone's like, going to deliver that line, you'd get Mr. Gallo himself, you know, Charles Dance. <laughs> Tywin Lannister. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's like, the thing for me is, you have this sort of us versus them thing in the entire franchise and that's great but like as soon as you put ripley in a in an all-male prison full of like rapists and murderers you've got us versus them and them Mm. and it's just like you you're you've only got ripley to really root for which is fine but like it's it's her against the world i i root for the men as well because i think this is what's so interesting about alien 3 is not only is prison a great setting for an alien film because like there is no escape yeah it's a claustrophobic environment but like i also think it's a really clever way of getting us as supposed to side with these rapists and murderers because True. they do present a united front against the alien like the real threat is the alien and mm. the only scene i say the only scene there's a few scenes i don't like but the one scene i don't <laughs> like in particular is the attempted rape i just feel Yeesh. a it's unnecessary it's a, it's i was gonna say so very... unnecessary and almost gratuitous yeah i mean like... obviously you don't really see anything but like no. it just feels that like because i don't like none of the characters in terms of the actual prisoners themselves i'm trying to mm. think do they do any bad things in the film except for the attempted rape uh i think golic in the assembly cut is the only one that does something else yeah um but in the original like, theatrical cut, in the original cut, no. They, they all um, seem like kind of decent, so I think that's why the attempted rape, like, sort of like really sticks out because it's not like part part of the message is, you know, like they it's testing our limits in a way. Finch is trying mm. to test our limits by trying to get us aside with these horrible beings, not just us. Like, get Ripley to side with them. Like, mm. the alien is the real threat, which I think is why the attempted rape scene doesn't quite like. I don't know, sit well with me. And I think it it does feel gratuitous. It's like the guy that's trying to do it, like he stops for a moment and puts like goggles on. And it's like, it just feels like that's almost making light of this situation because he's now becoming this weird flamboyant character who yeah. wears goggles when he's trying to commit something so like heinous and disgusting. And I was just like, I, I, I don't, it doesn't sit well in... I don't know. I'm just not keen. <laughs> and yeah. obviously, you know, it's 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 great seeing um, uh, uh, Dylan. Is it the priest who oh, comes in and yeah, like beats Charles them all S. up and whatever? Justin. Yes. Well, this is yeah. the thing. So Clemens, what I another thing I really like about this film in terms of the 
right, look at the prisoners and, you know, we are told they're psychopaths, but are they actually that bad? Because Clemens, the doctor, he obviously has a backstory, but, you know, he seems to have, like, redeemed himself, I suppose. And then he dies, like, halfway in, maybe, like, just yeah. like, two, like a further way in. And then, because he's like, if you're going to have, you got Ripley, and if you're going to have, like, a male hero, because she's the only woman in the film, mm. you'd list it as him. But then... He's but kind of with Dylan. <laughs> Dylan then steps in, who is yeah. literally he says, "I'm a rape, yeah, rapist of women, and I'm, mm. I'm a murderer of women too." So, why do we like connect so well with his character? Like, I think it has a lot. Like, it really explores like redemption and stuff. And it, you know, whether these people find redemption at all, mm. like, obviously they all die. <laughs> but I guess in that way, that is so... their redemption, which is depressing and bleak. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but like they're fighting the alien and like trying to also fight against Wayland Yutani, like well, yeah. is is a redemption arc in itself. Even if it does mean that they all have to die to do it, they've kind of redeemed themselves for whatever heinous shit they've done in the past. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just like a re- like as you say, like the movie is very very bleak and very depressing. And I suppose mm. either it's nice that they like it. I suppose it's kind of hopeful that these people aren't bad people or like at least they're not when there's like a real threat in the room as mm. you say both the alien and William Jutani but also like it is big that they I suppose die for their actions even though the, the actions were good like, you could say they kind of saved Ripley but obviously Ripley had to kill herself because of the, she literally had an alien inside of her <laughs> but I just I like how it like it challenges me in that respect of having these like it as you say it's Ripley with a bunch of what you'd presume are like well they are nasty men but they're not i don't think really like we are told constantly that they're rapists and murderers but in terms of the actions we see on screen they're not yeah the majority of them are just sort of there to live out the days and and work through their sins both literally and figuratively um but i think a lot of the a lot of that message of these horrible people comes from the um I don't want to say count the warden. The uh, I can't remember what his character's called, but it's, uh, it's yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, I want to say it's Ralph Bowen that plays him. I can't remember. He's got a very but, satisfying yeah, death scene. He has a very satisfying well, death yeah, scene. He's, but like he's he also, more horrible than the others. He is. He's like venomous and nasty and just a bit of a scumbag. But he also has the best way of describing the alien. He's just said it's a bit unpleasant. It's great. I love it. <laughs> Understatement of the year. It's and, a bit yeah. unpleasant. And as you said, like, we're mostly told by the warden about, you know, what these men are like rather than actually mm. seeing it for ourselves, which reminds me again, like, you know, the whole Alien franchise is about a corrupt corporation like Whale and Jutani. 100%. Who are absolute fucking bellends in this movie. <laughs> to a, to is, a, that an, is that an official description? <laughs> yes, to a new level. So, like, I feel that, like, corrupt corporation, like, like can we trust the warden like it's not something that really struck me in the movie but like thinking about it after and thinking about the way that the prisoners are mm. presented like it does like how can we trust him then like, maybe he's just a corrupt part of the corrupt corporation himself like we don't see them except for the four men who try and obviously break Ripley which I would yeah. say doesn't sit well for obvious reasons you know like how can we trust what this chief is saying I suppose yeah I mean I don't think there's a point in any any alien film where a higher up of Wayland Yutani is like a good person. Um, even the guy that gets her to go back to the planet in Aliens turns out to be an absolute arsehole. Yeah. Um, 
so I think again this is another example of like an oppressive capitalist regime um, you know bending the minds of everybody around them saying look these people are going to kill you they're going to kill you we're not we'll keep you safe but we're also going to try and weaponize <laughs> aliens <laughs> yeah um, so yeah I think he's what he's arguably the main reason that we we distrust and, and hate all these the, the rest of the cast is because he's just constantly spewing like you say they're all murderers they're all rapists they're gonna get you we'll keep you safe yeah. i mean he even reminds ripley like don't forget about clemens and you know he's you know he's got a sordid backstory as well yeah. like, he really yeah. is focusing just on making her fearful of like the other men which mm. i suppose like obviously like she has to join forces with them to try and defeat the aliens so it, it is interesting yeah um i tell you what though i i like the fact like you say that they, they put it in a prison um mm. i think it's it's a great way of a keeping costs down um practically because it is just like an industrial environment um and it's just it's just very different to anything we see in the franchise which is why yeah. i really like it it's very um, individual this isn't, yeah this isn't like futuristic or you know spaceships and obviously i know there are spaceships in it but like it's not completely filled with like fancy tech or like yeah you know yeah. loads of guns because like uh, sigourney weaver famously like wanted the film not to be dependent on guns which i really admire yeah that's cool but she is cool so she she's like the coolest <laughs> human being alive so yeah i i really like the prison one I, I think as you said it gives it some sort of individuality like when i think about the alien franchise i like alien it's the, the first one and i think mm-hmm. the best one aliens that's the action one alien mm-hmm. three that's the present one alien four <laughs> that's what we need to talk about prometheus is just bizarre and covenant i think is just like i would say maybe the scariest one but also like i'm watching the alien the older alien movies you know with, with a very outdated seat like the cgi in this mm. film was bloody terrible like, oh, <laughs> it's, it's it's the bit when it cracks at the end um, yeah. Oh, that was awful. But you know, the fact that it's in a prison really makes it distinctive. But I also think, if you think about the ones before, we have because we have to talk about the Alien Legacy. Um, yes. Like Alien is amazing. Aliens also is amazing. And I know you're with me that Aliens better than Aliens, even though yeah. that is a controversial opinion to have. Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> so I'm told. Who are these people? Um, I, don't get me wrong. I love the action in Aliens. Aliens is a fantastic film and such a, for use of that word, uh, is a thrill ride. It is a roller coaster, um, and that's all down to James Cameron. But uh, I love the style and the terror that Ridley Scott injected with the first one. Yeah. Um, you know, there's yeah. a lot to be said about, like, Without being weird about it, there's a lot of phallic imagery in the Alien franchise, you know, and that that the, that first one, you know, it is about subverting the sort of, um, you know, we've seen a lot of rape revenge movies, whereas this flips it and it's like it's the bloke getting violated yeah. and then having something burst free. You know, there's so much subtext there that, you know, there's probably a million different articles that unpack <laughs> it in far better words than I ever could. But yeah. um, I think that's all down to Ridley Scott and his vision. And yeah, that's but why. That's this... why I think the first one's just a little bit, just a little bit better. Yeah, but the thing with Alien 3, like, no wonder, it, like, 
it was kind of doomed to fail anyways. Like, not that mm. it failed, by the way, or that it was doomed to fail. Like, I'm just taking back my own words. But, you know, you got a, <laughs> you had such a good one-two with Alien Aliens, both spearheaded mm. by, like, really great directors like Ridley Scott, James Cameron. And then you had Alien 3 with, with the new guy in the scene, David Fincher, who I would now say, like, is just as established as Ridley Scott. And, 100%. Like, now. 100%. But at the time, he wasn't. But, um... And you know, like that's why, like there was so much emphasis on this movie and so much anticipation. Like it, you know, that's why there were so many issues because they had to make it, they had to get it right. But I felt like they were trying so hard. Like that's why, it, you know, it was such a mess. But fair play to David Fincher for like stepping into those shoes and following on from Scott and Cameron and delivering something so different. Like Aliens yeah. is action blockbuster. Alien is very like icy survival movie like this is really dark look at humanity like it's really bleak it's claustrophobic it's i don't think i think it does lack scares like obviously like as we it, it's not it's, jumpy it's like not the jumpy. other ones are it's more like unnerving and i think i wanted more like scares i suppose from because this is yeah. an alien movie but like fair play for making it so different like it's not a patch in the first two at all but mm. you know at least it had an individual an individuality about it 100 percent. i mean um i completely agree it, it needed a little bit more terror in it i think yeah. it needed it needed a surprise jump scare that that nobody saw coming it's like even the the great scene where where clemens gets attacked which i love it's one of my favorite moments oh, um where it comes up behind him if that had been you know shot differently in a way that we didn't see it rise up behind him and yank him away if, if that was just a complete snatch, grab, blood, screaming, it would have sort of maybe given off a more like unpredictable vibe. Whereas it is very like not cliche, but you see where it's all going yeah. eventually. Um, and I don't know. I, I think, yeah, you're right. It needed more jumps. But I also think that's partly because uh, Fincher wanted to explore a, the psyche of Ripley a little bit. Um, and how far she's been in the first two movies up to now, because mm. there's a there's a, a wonderful moment where she goes looking for it, like trying to get it to kill her, um, and she thinks she's seen it, like uh, just like hiding in a corner, and she like yeah. attacks it, and it's just a it's just a rusty pipe, it's just a rusty pipe full of bugs, <laughs> um, and then you know obviously it attacks her later on, and it's in her face, which is arguably like one of the most iconic imagery yeah. uh, pieces of imagery from the entire franchise i searched alien um, gifts earlier to see what would come up because i wanted yeah. to tweet about alien that was the first gift that was the most popular gift yeah um and i think yeah i you know i think it's just uh it's it's, it's down to fincher's style as to why mm. it's not a jumpy horror because like it's the same with um seven seven is a horror film but oh, it's not yeah, a it's, it's not a jumpy <laughs> it's horrible but it's not a jumpy you know terrifying even though you're on your edge of your seat you know as he uh, kevin spacey doesn't jump out at random moments and make <laughs> jump <Woo-hoo>! so yeah. <laughs> um i think yeah yeah i feel like it did need a bit more jump scares though just because mm. this is an alien film it's like um i read up i you know did a little bit of research before this and just a little bit um just a little bit and uh he basically wanted to to put in a lot more tension um with long shots so for example like at the scene at the end where human bishop comes to uh tempt ridley uh, ripley back into sort of like giving them the alien 
Yeah. That scene, there was a 40 second pause from the time that he said, please trust us, to her looking up and saying no. 40 seconds is a long time for one shot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's clearly his style to sort of not drag it out, but make things more of a slow burn rather than a pulse pounding jump a minute type of horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And also, like, I was thinking this, I was like, could you say the alien is David Fincher's first serial killer? 100%. I mean, because yeah. the man, man loves them. <laughs> <laughs> he does. Um, obviously, he probably doesn't love serial killers, but he loves exploring serial killers. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. It is like the alien does kill a lot of people. So. It does kill a lot of people. It might not do it for some religious or, you know, weird backstory kind of reason, but yeah. it is it is, it is a serial killer. Um, I think it's just a, it's a heavily stylized and uh, a franchise serial killer rather than you know, John Doe or um The Zodiac Killer. Zodiac. Yeah, <laughs> you Zodiac you're struggling killer, with the name yeah. it's like it's like it just, one of the most recognizable serial killers. It just ever. it just went out went out of my brain. Uh, because originally I I thought of panic <laughs> panic room. Oh <laughs> panic all I could room. think of was Jared later. <laughs> <laughs> but talking uh, of Panic yes. Room, this also could be read as a home invasion movie. Oh, that's a that's an interesting take. I quite like that because, yeah. um, like, the cause... prison's a home, and not only yeah. is it invaded by the alien, but also you could it's say Sigourney. It's invaded by Ripley, who has mm. an alien inside her. So, yeah. and it's you know, like as you said earlier, it's like more of a tension building one. It's not like a slow built like a slow burner, but because pacing's like all over the place. Let's be honest. <laughs> but you know, bit. like. There are moments off a slow burner, but the focus is on making it very mm. claustrophobic and tense, you know, with the tunnels, like, home yeah. invasion? Yeah, I kind of like that. Um, I, I think that would definitely come down to the the setting of, like you say, being in a prison um, and not being aboard a fancy, you know, mining Spaceship. ship in the stars. Yeah. Um, this is a very grounded and very realistic facility. Like, that could be like a steelworks, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it is an ore refinery or whatever, but like it looks like somewhere you could physically go to, um, rather than a spaceship. And yeah, I I, I love the setting. I think it's it's mm. it fits perfectly with the sort of nightmarish uh, vision that that Fincher Fincher gave it. Yeah, um, it's very like all like, the the steam pipes yeah, and the urban. you know wreckage everywhere. Yeah, very urban. Um, yeah, like very like urban dystopia, which is like. I feel that mm. like a lot of sci-fi films do focus on the urban as well, so it kind of fits in with that. Yeah. Tell you one thing I was thinking about whilst watching it. Like, it reminded me of The Thing. Is this just me? Yeah, no, I can see that. I don't um... know if it's just because an alien comes out of a dog. <laughs> and, but even oh, like the... the dog. I <laughs> forgot Papa. about that. Ugh. Anyways, moving on from the dog, because it breaks my heart and Eamon's heart, clearly. But, you know, like, that, like obviously, dog and The Thing. But also... Mm. It's very orange. There's a lot yes. of fire. Yeah. Even the the sort of weird fire slicey sticks that they hold. Yes. I tell you what, I that, don't know. that shot, you know where it uh, one of them drops it out of the down the tunnel. Um yes. and it and it falls slow motion into the uh, into the petrol yeah, or whatever it is yeah. that's spreading. That felt like very music video. Like you can clearly see he's flexing his um his muscles music a little bit on that one. Yeah, the, but the I do feel on the that, like, I do feel like David Fincher watched a thing and then made Alien his version 3. of the thing. 
it's not his version of the thing, but I, I don't I don't know if it's just because like the thing is so iconic and mm. like it, but it does I I just stick in my mind when I was watching it last night. Yeah, um, and I think just in like further comparisons, like the moments in this where they do practical effects, much like the thing, mm. work so much better than they do in the CGI, in the CGI bits. You know the, the, the CGI bits stick out like a sore thumb. Oh, they do. And I know um, it was. What year was this movie? Like ninety two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was ninety two. Um, but like, still, it, it it sort of takes you out of it. Whereas, like the moment where you know Ripley talks to Android Bishop, where she's found him in the wreckage, um, and sort of revives him a little bit, that was all practical. That wasn't That's even. That's great. Yeah. That wasn't even um, Lance Henriksen himself. That was a that was a practical prop. It was animatronic because um, it was easier to make it look like he'd been ripped in half than it was to like actually get him in the set and into a costume. They just made one, <laughs> which yeah. is brilliant. Um, but that whole bit is it's gross, like it's disgusting. He's got like his eyes like bulging, and there's just like shit pouring all out of him. Um, and like you know, even the android wants to commit suicide in this film. Because he's like, yeah, just kill me. Like, it's easier. <laughs> I'd rather feel nothing. Like, yeah. I think that's a testament to this film. Even the synthetic being doesn't want to be alive in <laughs> on the planet. Like, it's it great. Kills <laughs> everyone. Literally, literally kills. Uh, uh, it kills everyone, but I think his name's Webb. Or no, Morse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the only one that makes one it out of alive. The ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think about killing Ripley? Uh, I think now look it would be great to you know see Ripley survive every encounter with the alien but that's also not practical like Mm. I think it's it is a fitting end for Ripley to be killed by the thing that she's been fighting for years against um, if we're not counting alien resurrection for the moment Um, I think yeah, it, it kind of feels fitting. It's obviously a little bit bittersweet because you're like, well, shit, we've been following her for two other films. Like, come on. But um, And she is so iconic, yeah. Yeah, but I think, you know, there's something to be said about like having a circular narrative and having her kill and be killed by the same thing that she's been fighting for since 1979 or whatever, whenever the first one came out. Um, so, yeah, I kind of like it. yeah. I was thinking that, I was like, it's actually quite brave, killing mm. off Ripley. Um, I agree with you, like, she can't, she's not like Neo in the Matrix, like, she's not the one mm. to defeat the alien all the time. And it does fit into this bleak nature of this movie, but obviously they kind of ruined it with Alien Resurrection. <laughs> Which literally oh. just... To go, oh yes, we killed her in the previous one. Nah, fuck it, she's back now. Cool, she's a clone. She's also a superpowered human. Um, yeah, and sort of an alien queen in herself. Lol. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Weird. So, but you know, the thing that I be most like about her death scene—not only does it look cool, but mm. you know, like she just she wants to be away from this from these aliens, which have plagued her life now for like what seems like so long, like three yeah. movies, and. So, it's, you know, she shaves her head at the start, which is very liberating. And in this way, her killing herself is also liberating. Like, this is the end of, you know, that battle, that conflict. Like, they literally follow her everywhere. Yeah, literally. Um, but, like, I don't know. I think 
because I watched this pretty much back to back with Alien Resurrection, the ending is sort of a little bit tarnished because I watched <laughs> before yeah. straight away when she gets revived. Um, like I, I just think, oh, she's killed. Oh, she's alive again. Uh, whereas mm. if, if 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 I'd just watched Alien Three and yeah, left if we're just it, sticking at Alien like, Three, I'd have been like, that's bold. That's great. I like can really applaud Fincher and screenwriters for doing that. Like especially for a big budget franchise like this to be in like that main character you've loved for decades. Yeah. Cool. She's dead now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's, it's very telling of Joss Whedon to, to resurrect her in the fourth one. <sighs> Cause he wrote Anyways. the fourth one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Says a lot. But also, <laughs> you know, I like that Ripley, like, like she's not like in her knickers, like, <laughs> like the first movie. Yeah. Like she's, and she shaves her head like she's really. They really do, in, like build on the strength that she builds, you know, in Aliens. And I was like, Ripley, oh, I want to shave my hair now. Now Ripley's it. no, <laughs> I ever will. But you know, like she really like this also helps establish Ripley as you know the sort of feminist badass icon that she is. Yeah, it's like she's not defined by her femininity. She's just a badass. Like she's yes. a badass no matter what she looks like. Um, and what the audience perceives of her. It's like she's an enduring warrior. Yeah, but this film really is about her being an enduring warrior. Yeah, 100%. Even, but I know you say it's not about what she looks like, but also just in the way that she's physically represented as well, mm. I suppose, you know. Um, so only, it would have been nice, I was thinking, it's like to have seen a woman direct a, um, a Ripley alien movie. Yes, but 100%, alas, I think. Not no. that it's ever Mel Gazy, really. Mm. I would Ripley say it is, it is sometimes. Yeah. Uh, wait, hang on. It is in uh, Aliens. It's very Mel Gazy. I'm pretty sure there's a new chower scene. <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, I kind of just erase. Yeah, I erase that from my head clearly. <laughs> yeah, I think. Or am I thinking of Starship Troopers? I might be thinking of Starship <laughs> Troopers. Because they're, they're, you know, they've actually got very similar outfits. <laughs> The Marines in, in Aliens and the Marines in Starship Troopers, I'm pretty sure have like the same <laughs> I battle armor. I've seen Starship Troopers. So it I is it is very good. I'd say it would actually make quite a nice companion piece to Aliens, um, okay. about a dystopian corporation that runs everything um, with a bit of a militaristic twist on it um, that all go killing bugs, which you know sounds very similar to Aliens. <laughs> That is bizarre. But I do feel that, like, this is probably, like, the less Mel Gazy. Yes, 100%. Um, it's like, you know, in the first one, she, you know, she, she's pretty much in a vest and pants when we first meet her, isn't she? Yeah. Because um, she's in the, the hypersleep, cryosleep chamber. Um, and obviously, yeah, she is at the start of this, but, like, for the rest of the time, she's in, like, a jacket and a, a T-shirt and, like, combat. Mm. Um, which I think is just... Which is just Ripley to a T, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Charles Dance literally says to her, like, you can't go out like that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Damn clothes on, woman. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the um, the sort of relationship between those two in this? Uh, I don't know. It just feels weird. It Again, feels a bit forced, like, doesn't it? It feels like, oh, she needs a love interest because she's not really had one. I think okay, she cool. just needs a shag. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, After she's been in, was it, cryosleep for so long. Yeah. And, and he obviously, like, there's no woman there. But, like, mm. again, I feel that my main issue, like, Alien 3, I don't think is a bad movie. I don't think it's an amazing movie because there are these, like, bits, like, the attempted rape, like, her relationship with yeah. the sexual relationship with Charles Dance's Clemens. Like, it just, like, some of it's just, like, 
unnecessary. Like that's the stuff that should have been cut mm. instead of the stuff should have you know, stayed that, in. Was, that was in the assembly cut, like garlic mm. and everything. I think um, that's my main problem with it. I think part of my problem with it is the fact that aliens made a real big point of turning ripley and newt and uh corporal hicks into like this weird little pseudo family unit oh yeah um, they just call them off like and they kill them <laughs> off like within a fucking like, minute and like yeah, really horribly I don't, think, I don't think some of the actors were happy about that no um and it's like you know i really like uh, the dynamic between ripley and hicks in aliens mm. i think that's great it's a really cool partnership um and you know going from that to then be like oh yeah now they're dead now um ripley's gonna shag charles dance it's just really strange because it's like yeah. they don't really have that much chemistry um like you I say still, she just needs a shag she just needs a shag <laughs> <laughs> and I she just... goes for the least creepy one there <laughs> yeah i think another reason why i don't like some of the like the attempted rape stuff is like i want to see ripley fight aliens not like fight men yes 100 percent. like it's you know it, it i don't know it just feels a bit oh right yeah she's in a planet full of men of course they're going to try and rape her great yeah do you know what i mean what? like it's yeah. just a bit that's not yeah. it's not needed as we said earlier it's unnecessary unnecessary um but why do you think it has like got such a bad rep i feel um, like re- more recently people have said it's not as bad as you may think and i think the reason why is a lot of people say in hindsight it's not as bad as resurrection mm. prometheus and covenant even though i agree but like i would say that those movies are still kind of good but you know like at a time Mm. It didn't do very well at the box office. I think like, it's because it's a, it's a like huge it. it's a huge leap away from what the franchise had been previously. Um, you know, uh, if you go to see an Alien movie, you're expecting this kind of not bold sci-fi, but you're expecting a, 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 a spacey setting. You're expecting spaceships. You're expecting uh, guns and flamethrowers and you know mech suits. Um, whereas, as you say, Alien Three does away with all of that and just yeah. puts her in a very grounded setting with the odd sci-fi flair um and i think because of it, it it's it's sort of step away from the franchise generics it's it is a a thriller it's a horrific thriller i'd say yeah. um rather than a sci-fi thriller or horror um so and i, I think because of the popularity of aliens with the the real action tone this mm. isn't that at all no <laughs> um and be, you know you've because aliens had james cameron and obviously ridley scott did the first one then having a complete at the time newcomer coming on board um, yeah, it's his first film i can see why people were hesitant to to go see it um mm. but i think and they probably heard about the issues with production like yeah like and I would assume the movie was is was bad mm. after that story, which it you know wasn't. <laughs> so it's it's not a bad film. Um, it's it's a <laughs> uh, oddly it's made. It's an it's got an interesting production story, uh, but yeah. it's not a it's not a badly made film. Um, you know, there's some great great imagery and some beautiful like camera work and cinematography in this like there's no question about it um but like if you're a huge alien fan you are expecting a lot more like wayland yutani stuff and Mm. a bit more you know guns and and rifles sort of thing but 
Um, yeah. And I think you do I mean, get. A... Li- they say there's there's no guns. Yeah. In, um, in this prison. You do get a little bit of that at the end with you know the the human bishop coming up coming back with like the way yeah. of tiny like stormtrooper sort of types. Um, but it is just a huge step away from everything the franchise did previously. I think that's why I kind of like it. Though. So do I. It's like it's a fresh direction. Mm. And as you said earlier, like going back to the Man of the Hour, David Fincher, mm-hmm. like it is very much if Fincher was going to do Alien. Like I know, by the way, this wasn't how Fincher was going to do Alien due to studio <laughs> interference. But I still, I feel that like his vision, like his visual vision, does come through at points, and 100%. that's when it really works. And yeah, that's I why mean, I like it. The the cinematography and like some of the shots definitely feel like pure Fincher. Like I say, there's those shots of the autopsy which go next, you know, hand-to-hand with Seven. Um, and, and and very much, actually, like, the opening sequence, like, the title sequence of Seven, that's what his work in this reminds me of. Um, like, these really close-up, bleak shots of just, like, blood droplets or, like, you know, a flare dropping to the ground. Like, it it just, it feels just... So, not. I wouldn't say some of his best work, but, like, you can see where his work has evolved from watching Alien yeah. 3. yeah. I agree. And it's a shame it was such a torturous process for him. Yeah. I feel bad for him. <laughs> yeah, um, I because, do. Because, like, as a directorial debut, like, for me personally, looking back, this is a hell of a way to get started. Alien, I know. Like, I know. fucking Alien 3, and you made it this weird dystopian nightmare uh, of a serial <laughs> killer film. Like, what a way to describe it. Yeah, I feel like I'll put Fernando in for my podcast friend, Dan Jolin, who's going to be on later on in the series but I was speaking to him about Alien 3 and he said he, he once interviewed David Fincher and told David mm. Fincher you know it's not a bad movie and he got told off <laughs> oh Fincher really he got told off Fincher wow. was like it is <laughs> so, so Dan tells me so as in because you know like I feel like Fincher like just hates it so yeah. much like yeah. I don't think he wants to hear people say it wasn't as bad because to him it probably was like yeah and I, I, think, I guess his experience of it will completely override the actual final product because like he'll remember the, the <laughs> studio screaming down down the phone to him sort of thing yeah um, it's interesting but... he's not seen the i don't i, I yeah. would like to see his reaction to the assembly cut because i, I know would. he's never seen it on purpose because it's traumatic but like because mm. the idea of that is it more fits with his vision yeah i, I think you know there's, there's some of the shots in in the assembly cut fit his style a lot more as well um so yeah, I completely agree. I'd love to see what he thinks of, of the assembly cut, but it's like they made so many changes to the scripts and like certain shots. Um, it's like the prison originally was meant to be a wooden planet um, and filled with monks, uh, <laughs> which is where the religious aspect of it all comes from. Yeah, um, it's a religious aspect doesn't like feel shoehorned in, but like no, it, it feels it feels like an undertone rather yeah. than like the main theme of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, uh, that's kind of where the whole gun thing came from as well. Because it's like, if it was a wooden planet, the task was for, for I can't remember the original writer, but he left the project very soon. Like. Many writers um, left the project. <laughs> yes, um, it was the, the sort of task of being like, right, it's a wooden planet. You're not going to have guns. You're not going to have loads of sci-fi yeah. devices. But it's like, then you have the problem of, you know, what happens with the spaceship getting there and there's there was all sort of logistical things and filming it yeah um so they were just like yeah no scrap that <laughs> <laughs> so but i i don't know it's it's a weird one um 
It is a I, weird one. I, I do feel bad for Fincher, but like I really enjoy it. Yeah, I I, I agree. With you. I feel bad for him because obviously it's an awful experience. But much respect to him for sticking out of it. I suppose. Hundred percent. And then 100%. going back into the film industry after, because not everyone, not everyone would have done. And no. it is an interesting directorial debut, but especially because of the story behind it. But I, yeah, I still stand by. It's not a bad movie. Hundred percent. But I think it's it says a lot about Fincher that he made Alien 3 and then made 7, Panic Room and Bloody Fight Club. Like... And then many, many more. And then many, many more. But, like, within that sort of era, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's, it says a lot about his style and about his perseverance that he yeah. can go on to make, like, a trio of incredible movies yeah. after the trauma of Alien 3. I suppose... Um, uh... I suppose the point of this podcast is, you know, we're building up to the release of Mank, so are you mm-hmm. looking forward to Mank? It's been a while of since we've had Of course I'm looking forward to Mank. Of course I'm looking forward to Mank. Um, it looks I, I, very different know, to his other work, which I think just, is why I'm intrigued. I think, you know, uh, so his last film was Gone Girl, wasn't it? Oh, um, which so I fucking love Gone Girl. Oh. It's a great film. But, like, if you compare that to, to Mank, <laughs> it looks vastly I mean, different. But Mank, um, I think, looks different to all his other stuff. Like, even the fact that it's just, like, black and white is, you know, so based does, and... So does that mean that Mank is the new Alien 3, then? <laughs> <laughs> Less dramatic. It's vastly dramatic. different to every, everything else. Less dramatic um, backstory. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, Gary Oldman looks great in it. Yeah, but Gary Oldman's great in everything. I mean, Gary Oldman was going to be an Alien Free. He was, he was. You're right. Um, but didn't work out. No, I can't now remember. Now he's who in he was. bank. So and it's now he's right. in bank. <laughs> Let's not feel bad for Gary Oldman for not being an Alien Three. <laughs> by the way, can we just point out? It's not like his career was ruined because of that. <laughs> no, no. But it's. Um, I feel like we've uh, we've covered all the bases now. Covered Alien Free. I think so. Yeah. I think yeah. we've done a, a, reason, a reasonably good job. So. I suppose last question is where can people see more of your work and find you on social media? Oh, um, you can see me write up uh, all the latest and greatest entertainment news every week at Heroic Hollywood. Um, you can tweet me at Eamon Jacobs um, and read my nerdy ramblings and commentary on shit, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's just whatever comes to mind. Um, but yes, that's that's where people can find me. Um, if you really want to follow me, you can do, but just expect plenty of dorkiness and reactions <laughs> of, holy shit, this looks amazing, or meh, not meh. a fan of. That's, that's essentially my tweets. <laughs> yeah, I feel that like Alien 3 doesn't fit any of those tweets, though, because it's like, True. it's not meh, it's not holy shit, it's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's in the that's middle. That's good. It's, it's good. That's fine. It's not meh. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Uh, thank you for having me on. It's been uh, a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. It's been great. That was me and Eamon Jacobs discussing Alien 3. Join me for the next episode where film journalist Iman Warman joins me to discuss the one and only seven. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And follow us on Twitter too, at The Fincher Takes It. I would love to hear your thoughts on Alien 3 and any feedback on the podcast, of course. See you next week.